it's time for a bonus, a bonus episode. I love episodes of theater, 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 theater. We're going off the beaten path, off the beaten path. We're off. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, I love the in stuff. Theme song. I was just oh yeah, the yeah, same thing. it's great. It's so fantastic. Pam's fucking a genius, and uh, she's fucking Pam a Quinn genius. Writing our uh, our in stuff theme song, writing uh, a bunch of our fucking music, and, and all of our special episode centric songs. She yeah. writes a song basically every week. I mean, I know there's two episodes for the playwrights, but. She writes I mean, the one for the next in stuff that week, so she's but always But really, we're doing her a favor because look at how famous we're making her. Wow. <laughs> With our famous Yeah, famous we're podcast. making her famous You're while she has- You're welcome, Pam. <laughs> we're making her famous while she has 600,000 followers on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, yeah, you're right. She has more followers <laughs> than I can ever imagine having. Um, Hi guys! Hey, Hello. what a What's fun day! On? Yeah, right. Yes, we have fun things to talk about. We might as well get into it because there's yeah. a lot to discuss, and mm-hmm. we also like. I have a feeling um, we have a lot to say about this one. Yes, uh-huh. yeah, there's a lot to discuss. So, welcome all y'all listeners to welcome. Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater people, made by three theater nerds from the LA theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Bersham. I'm CJ Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. My name's actually Bertram. I just like to pronounce it. Bertram. And also, uh, as always, to uh, cleanse our palate between playwrights, we offer you another bonus episode of Theater, Theater, and Stuff. Stuff. <laughs> where we pick theater adjacent things and we nerd out over them. And this week is a Scott pick. It is. Yes. Scott. What is, what'd you choose? What is it? Well, I decided to go with um, talk radio, a little <gasps> compare and contrast uh, of the film and the play. Um, and the background for it is as we were pitching each other show ideas. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend of mine who was doing a little survey and working, was just asking what were shows, performances uh, as an actor that you had done that sort of changed everything for you or were mm. a big deal mm-hmm. for you. So I got to do talk radio back in college when I was far too young to do it, but it was a huge dive into the deep end and a huge creative leap for me. Right. Uh, a huge shout out to David Jolly, who's my friend and colleague who directed the show um, hmm. and old high school friend. And we're still in touch on Facebook and stuff like that. And I'll have to give him a big shout out and a heads up about this. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, I thought my, I, I was speaking about that performance and getting to do it and the challenges of it. But then I was like, does that still hold up like mm. in an age of where our technology and our communications are really so vastly different, but maybe not really that different? Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, whether that sort of notion and that sort of point in time, the play was written and came out in 87 uh, and the film came out uh, about a year later in 88. Mm -hmm. Wow. So they were really tight, right? One on top of the other. Uh, And there's differences and we'll talk about those differences. But I was like, Oh, let's, we didn't have Bogosian on our, on our list, at least for the next year or so. 
uh, of playwrights. So I thought, oh, this would be interesting to see uh, how this holds up. And of course, there was, I think, ew, 2011. I might have to double check that date. Uh, Liv Schreiber did uh, uh, did it on Broadway with a tweaked script and uh, to much acclaim. That picture was what showed up when I bought it on iBooks. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Him playing it, playing it, yeah. And um, and Bogosian felt very strongly about him playing it, and um, so that's uh, so that's why I, I did it. And um, and it was weird to go back and reread and retouch upon it. I'd kind of did the show and then went on with my life and my art, and I hadn't gone back and revisited it. I, I may have seen the film in you know in the uh, you know, years that followed, but, uh, I, I didn't have a strong memory of it. Um, but it was a blast to, for me to, to do that. A lot of emotions and memories came back, but, um, yeah, what a weird thing. Yeah. This, it, yeah. It, it, you know, and we should say a little bit about Bogosian himself that he really sort of came to fame as a performance artist slash monologuist right uh where he would do one man shows and play you know 50 different characters and that right. sort of thing uh and was very sort of steeped in theater and performance art and this yeah. came out of it and then the movie uh added some other elements you know basing some elements on a real life uh shock jock uh talk radio host who was murdered um, right. And yeah. so and that's and there is that's even credited in the film, you know, in the title that that they had made those changes to it. I yeah. think uh, I wrote that down somewhere. And and then just some of the performances and some of the people that show up in the movie and um, the blast that um, actors get to play. You know, usually it's like uh, two men and two women backstage playing all the voices and things like mm-hmm. that on, right. on stage. So it's a blast for, you know, just, you know, acting, jerking off and, yeah. oh, and all that. By, by the way, the shock jock that the book that the movie ended up being based on was Alan Berg was yes. his name. Yeah. Mm. And he was this weird, weird looking dude. Like he was a strange kind had of a face for radio. Dude. Yeah. Had a face for radio. <laughs> um, but was a provocateur and um, and Eric Bogosian the, does not price. have a face for radio. He is a handsome dreamboat. Wow! Wow! Okay. Interesting. I think he's yeah. handsome. Uh, I don't well, know. Yeah, he's, sure. No, he's a handsome. Dude. I think he's handsome. I he looked looks... it up. He's my mother's age, but you know. Oh wow! <laughs> he looks a bit like a you know rubber tire now. He he <laughs> he was in Uncut Gems. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, he still wor- he works almost consistently. He was he's reoccurring in one of the Law and Orders. Yeah, uh, as a, a as an attorney, and he keeps he's shooting. around. He exists. He's around, you know. And he he was in um, oh uh, House of Cards, wasn't he in House of Cards? Sure, yeah, yeah. Was he? Yeah, he played like a senator or congressman or something like that. There yeah. weren't any senators or congressmen in that movie. Joe, no. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Oh no, he was on Succession. Uh-huh. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. I was that's looking up his eye. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in on a secession. I yeah. will say I would love to cover him as a playwright sometime. I only because suburbia was all the rage when I was in college. Oh yeah. Everyone wanted to do scenes from that. And, and it's a cool movie too. Maybe that's another feature. Oh, yeah? In cool. stuff. Yeah. Uh Richard Maybe Linklater. we only cover him in, in stuffs. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um but Richard Linklater did the the film version of right. it, which is pretty okay. good. Like, it's pretty okay. good. Yeah. I only know about it because it's a link later and I like link later, but I've never seen it. I don't know the play. I don't know this play. 
I, did, I had never seen the movie. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I don't know that I had even heard of it. I'm sure it had been mentioned in the ether. Maybe I had seen the movie cover art before. Yeah. But I had no idea what this was, Scott. I was like, what, what are you getting a trip? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm older than you guys. So I remember when it came, I mean, it, it came out as I was coming up. Sure. And but so you there and was, I have very similar tastes. And a lot of the do, films I do. love are things that came out even before you know, you were born like, you yeah, and yeah I have for sure. It, plenty. This one, I think kind of got lost in the ether because it, the film was right in between wall street and born on the 4th of July. He literally yeah. had to squeeze in the shooting schedule because he was in pre-production on born on the 4th of July. Huh. Yeah. And you know, it, it kind of came out and was like a small movie and kind of, you know, got good notices in that, but sure. kind of just, disappeared and it's an it's an odd thing and i think it, it you know it was very much of its time i think we've talked about this before if not on the show then you know that that period in the 80s that late 80s when the fairness doctrine got struck down and all of a sudden you right. saw this rise well, i didn't even of, think about that in relation to this at yeah all. And, and it was the whole rise of right-wing radio now he he's commenting and like alan berg and even in uh i i noted this time in, in particular that he's more nihilistic than than having any kind of political views on the show he's almost strictly a provocateur for yeah. the sake of being a provocateur in the film in the film and in the play, he just goes, the character goes after everybody, but he's not a right-wing radio host. He's not a liberal radio host. Well, and going into this, and I think it's just because of the dark spiral of podcasts that I'm listening to right now, I expected it to be a right-winger, knowing, right. because I was the same as you, Bailey. I'd never read this script. I'd never seen this movie. And I thought it was going to be an Alex Jonesy, Rush Limbaugh type of guy. I just mm -hmm. assumed, that's all. Right. Uh, no, I think that you know, the big thrust of the show for me, in, especially in rereading re the play, was that it's a, it's a man who's not quite sure who he is or what he's about in a lot yeah. of ways. And we'll track this a bit, I'm sure. But like Alex Jones is a product of the of that time in talk radio. Absolutely. Like there is for no sure. Alex Jones without these kind of guys, without Howard Stern, without. Yeah. And you he know. hates Howard Stern. He hates yeah. him. Same <laughs> shit, different toilet. Yeah. Same shit, different well, toilet. Well, Rush Limbaugh, too. Rush Limbaugh is starting to pick up a, a lot of um, traction in the in the late 80s. And, and you know, he, uh, he was always a provocateur and right of center. But once the Fairness Doctrine kind of got struck down, that's when he went hardcore right well, wing. And then you what's going to get you listenership and make you money. Right. You know, you want to hear some, uh, some hardcore talk radio right here. You, you heard it here first. I used to have a debate coach in high school who would wear Rush Limbaugh ties. Oh my God. And I did a debate one time about whether or not America should be helping with the AIDS crisis in sub-Saharan Africa. And I was for the yes, we should, uh -huh. which is uh -huh. what I was assigned, but also I agree with completely. And he ended it. And as a judge, he said, well, I can't vote for you because AIDS weeds out the bad ones. Yes. Jesus Christ. We tried to get him fired so hard. The school did nothing. Nothing ever <sighs> came of it. Years later, a couple years later, I had graduated. I was seeing a girl uh, from my high school who was a year below me, but we were in college then. 
and she uh, told me the story about how he used to text her constantly <gasps> asking to hang out, do stuff like that, like whatever. No, and she sure. always felt too scared to do it. Yeah. This is something we <laughs> can cut out of the podcast, but why not talk? This is talk yeah. radio. Yeah, yeah come on. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, he's a trash pile. He has since been uh, you know, arrested for lurid uh, uh, things in public, whatever that means. Um, <sighs> So he's gone and not working at that school anymore. But the fact that he wasn't fired for the first two things I mentioned is what. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. What a fucking creep. The fact he wasn't fired for wearing Rush Limbaugh ties, I think, is a is a <laughs> huge indication of where I'm from and the yes. school that yeah. I went or to. Or at least reprimanded. Like, you uh -huh. know what I mean? If, uh -huh. if you're a fan, that's cool, you know, but uh, sure. I don't know. Maybe it's not cool. It's, it's not, not cool. cool. <laughs> um, hey, before we get too, too deep into all this, now that I've aired some dirty, dirty laundry. Uh, hey, CJ, do us a favor. Yeah. Slat. <laughs> you slat. slat. And break it down for us. <laughs> CJ's Breakdown. Barry Champlain, a controversial radio host, is known for being a prick, insulting the poor unfortunate souls who call in the middle of the night to talk or complain about any and everything. At the top, Barry finds out the show is going into national syndication, and his producer is afraid that Barry will say something that, that will offend the sponsors. This, of course, makes Barry even more of a dick. Hmm. Yeah. It's about right. Yeah. <laughs> So we should say the play was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. Mm -hmm. Oh, nineteen ninety-seven. Cool. Yeah. cool. Uh, it's set where Dallas? Is that where they are? This one is in Cleveland. The it play is, is okay. movies in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Sorry, I just to me I noticed that and I was like, oh, this yeah. is. That's an interesting difference. What do you think that choice is? Why I think that, that would. I think that that's definitely an Oliver Stone mark. Yeah, on you put it in Texas, and then you've got a little bit more of a right wing charge. Also, yeah. keep in mind that he's, you know, a JFK obsessive with the JFK assassination. Yeah, that's true. And, oh, and Dallas was. Um, so he's. That he's makes definitely, sense. Definitely putting it there. Uh, it, you know, it also. I mean, they shot it in Dallas too. They shot it in Dallas and in a warehouse that they fully turned into a radio station. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they, um, uh, I think, yeah, I think it just adds a little bit, you know, Cleveland keeps it, you know, mellow, middle, you know, Midwestern, you know, all American. And you can get a little bit uglier and a little bit weirder. I think in Texas is what the thinking was. Well, and I don't know. I mean, Maybe this isn't the right time to say it, but I'm going to say uh, it. We can say cut it. it out if we want. No. I feel like in the play, he's a little bit more of a tragic villain or asshole. And in the movie, he's way more of a victim. And Interesting. I mean, obviously, he's the ultimate victim in the end. But you also see, because in the play, it's a one-room play the entire time. But in the movie, you see his outside life. You see how he's treated in public, mm -hmm. which, I mean, I'm not saying that he's he's such a nice guy that doesn't deserve it, but right. you can see how it affects him. And I feel like in the play, you don't penetrate that at all. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Sure. I mean, the, yeah, all that added stuff that's in the movie, because they do the flashbacks with his wife. They create the wife character. 
who's not in the play. I didn't need that. We'll yeah, well, I thought it was a distraction that he they could have done everything that they did in the play with the 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 girlfriend producer slash producer right. in the play. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's a big difference in it. And I will say, Ellen Green. Oh yeah, who we stand forever. Uh huh. Is phenomenal in that movie because she, well, in my opinion, um, because she's on this weird level of acting like she is in everything where you're just like, she's from another planet. She's where transcendent. She, she always is like yeah. pushing daisies. Did you ever guys ever watch? Oh pushing yeah. Daisies? I Absolutely. haven't watched that one yet. And just oh my like God. her, her Audrey, uh, in the Rick Moranis yeah. little shop is just, it's next level. She is always Audrey and everyone's, I mean, and she's the original Audrey anyway, but she's, that's who she is in our minds forever. And, um, but she's so different in this and I loved her in this, but, I don't need her Didn't, in this y- movie. Yeah. Um, it, the we, whole bit with the, calling him and, and being the other person and what's her name? Charlene or. Yeah. Right, well, yeah, which is in the script, but it's completely in the play, but it's, you know, it's, it's a different right. context. Yes, but yes. her doing it. Yes, exactly. The context switch doesn't work for me. Right. Much. And also she's doing a different thing with yes. her call too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also read the. Oh, excuse me. No, I watched it first. Oh, oh okay. interesting. Interesting. So I read it I, first. So. That's interesting because I watched it and then I was like, whoa, this is a play? Okay. I mean, you can kind of get it because it, it feels like something like um, – actually, it feels a lot like Anomalisa. Oh. Do you guys know Anomalisa? Yeah, yeah, I do yeah, not. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Charlie Kaufman did a radio play. Uh, a play of sound. People would go and see it, I guess, sometimes, but it was just yeah, sound. You just sat in it. like Right. Whoa. And it's David Thewlis, I believe. And... Um, <laughs> Love uh, him. <laughs> and who's the... And... Um, oh, it's... Uh, Hateful Eight. Um, fuck. Jennifer... Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Jason Jennifer... Lee. Holy yeah. shit. I'm an asshole. Jennifer Jason Lee. I have a funny um, story about that movie. Which one? Uh, Hateful Eight. I I went and saw it in theaters, and I was like, I can handle it because I'm not good at violent shit. And I was like, you know what? I'm a fucking adult. I'm going with friends. I'm going to be fine. And then the last half hour of the movie, I just had to stare at my hands and will myself not to barf the whole time. Aww. Wow. That's hardcore. <laughs> was... That movie also is not worth sitting through. I mean, it's fine. It's just the... Uh, it. Uh, okay, well, that's another podcast. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and David Thewlis do, it's basically just them two and this one other actor who plays everyone else. <gasps> cool. And they made a movie out of it. And I think it was Oscar nominated and stuff, but it's claymation ish. It's yeah. stop animated with uh, little figures uh, that whose faces can be changed out. Hmm. And CJ, you have to watch this movie. We should probably watch this together. This should yeah, be our first rewatch, good. like right. watch movie together when we're because Anomalisa. Anomalisa. Uh, quick, quick. I, the reason I want to talk about it is because it was a radio play first, and I almost feel like this could be a radio play. Like I could mm-hmm. just listen to this play. Mm-hmm. I don't know that mm-hmm. I would need to see anybody doing it. 
Like I kind of just want to like listen to, and you could do it with sound editing where, you know, when he's not on air, he does change his voice. He does like back off from the mic and have conversations with people. There'd be a really easy way to do that. But Anomalisa, um, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that um, the Liv Schreiber performance, mm. one of the things the New York Times pointed out about the production was how he he specifically used the mics because there's the mic that's that, cool. that the show's going on. Then there's the interior mic because he's encased in glass, which right. is metaphor and, <laughs> and and how he talked. And then he's got his his stage voice where he's he's speaking. And so they said it the the sound design and the way that the the mics were used um, were were fantastic in that original hmm. or in that Broadway version. I feel like Oliver Stone is one of those directors who is super hit or miss. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, he's batshit crazy. God love he's him. I think he, I think he's he's brilliant, and I think that a lot of his stuff is brilliant. And then, um, I mean, Natural Born Killers is is an acid trip mind fuck of a film. Yeah. For sure, like the directing of it, it it itself is not like in theory, it's it's not like that crazy. I've seen so many crazier things, but for a Tarantino script that Stone just is just like, it's it's a fascinating study that and True Romance, those two yeah. Quentin Tarantinos that Tarantino didn't That's, direct. Yeah, the Tony like, Scott. Yeah, I love True Romance all day. I like True Mo- Romance. I have, I have most of my issues with it are actually with the script, but yeah, um, it's. Yeah, I, I, I that, that's a, that's yeah. Stone is all over the place, and at this point, I mean, he's at his peak. He's won yeah. won the Oscar for Platoon. Yeah, you know, he's already had a successful career. Wall Street was huge, but not in the way that he intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Siege. May I ask, um, what might be maybe an offensive question? <laughs> no. Um. I felt like the film, I, I was trying to decide which it was. Was it Bogosian wanting to tell his story differently and make the character different or, and give and have a chance to rewrite the script? Or was this Oliver Stone's idea that like they have this change? I, cause I just thought they were so different. Like it was obviously the same script word wise uh-huh. in so many places, but I just, he was, he was such a different character and the the two stories told different things to me. Um, I I read an article where Bogosian talks about the changes that they collaborate. They were pretty tight on their collaboration. He was, I think Bogosian at the time was just rolling with it. Like, okay, you mean, you mean one of the biggest directors in Hollywood right now wants to make my off Broadway play into a movie. Mm. Oh, he wants to use me in it. Cool. And so it was that, and then Stone brought in the whole the whole Alan Berg thing, okay, that okay, element okay. of it, and topical. And Bogosian talks about like pacing and how things had to had to work differently for film than the play did, like yeah. right. And, and the two times I've seen the play, not not doing it. I mean, it's a tight fucking play. You're in and out, and you know, yeah. ninety minutes. It's right. It, it's on it. Right. Uh, and, but even that, he said those periods, you, you had to do 
visually something a little bit more dynamic in order to drive the story, you know, and I think that's why the changes were made. And then he he did do some tweaking to the script for the Liv Schreiber version. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know what they were. They don't come easily mm. to my head, but like he's he described them as as tweaks that sort of drove it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it was it's a, it's a fascinating study, especially the addition of 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 Ellen Green's character, the yeah. wife, which takes away so much from uh, what's her name, Laura is Laura, the producer. Yeah, um, it does and. Uh, because in the play, like she has, she has her big monologue where she mm-hmm. talks about her experience. Stu does as well. You know the the oh, Barry yeah, Champlain yeah. is a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't, wouldn't want to live, live there. there yeah. I wrote that line down. I loved that. <laughs> Brilliant. And and um, and so yeah, I, I I thought oh it it did in trying to I don't know quite what the 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 attempt was there with the addition of that character. Um, but I felt that it took away so much from her because you see in the play, I feel like you really feel the weight of, of this, uh, I'm fucking this dude. I'm working for this dude. I like this dude a lot. I might be in love with this guy. He might be in love with me, but man, I can't get past his ego, his person. And so I thought it was. And in the movie, she's like, I listened to you when I was in high school. Like, yeah, they made her kind of like an enamored college yeah. girl in the yeah. movie where yeah. yeah i thought she was definitely a more interesting character in the play yeah uh for sure um and she was not in the uh original but um john mcginley was john c mcginley he man who... those baby a-listers alec baldwin and john c mcginley oh my <laughs> yeah. god McGinley, it was so cute he McGinley. is basically uh oliver stone's like most used actor right oh, okay cool cool he's in yeah, a he was ton in, of all yeah, stone in, movies he was platoon he was in wall street he was born born on the fourth of july okay yeah. and there's a couple others that he's been in over the years i don't think he was in the doors but um hmm. what's his name was in the doors uh uh uh, uh michael wincott who plays yeah wincott yeah who plays kent uh he's, right he, was <laughs> he did it in the, the stage cr- version as well yeah and he was oh, that's uh, cool yeah. He was uh he was in the crow and he was in the doors. So that, that's right. That whole crow. little crew seemed to work together quite a bit. It's really Brandon it Lee really forever. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, here, here. So there's there is a story that that's in Alec Baldwin's autobiography about Oliver Stone and how much they all kind of hated working with him on set. Oh um, yeah. His exact quote uh, describing him, he described him as a Machiavellian filmmaker who would throw his own mother down a flight of stairs if it would help him get his project financed, get the shot he wanted, or simply get his way. Burn. Yeah. God damn. You know, I mean. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, that's why you don't see him doing a lot. He did that weirdo Netflix series, you know, a couple of years ago that's, you know, half legit and half just sort of conspiracy theory crazy. Um, you know, he was a nut job, but he's, he's also from, you know, from that whole, you know, boys club, you know, a- attitude towards, you know, Maverick filmmaking and, you know, my dick's bigger than yours. And, you know, he's, he's done some extraordinary work and, but then you saw it just start. I think it started with JFK, which I haven't watched in a long time, but liked for a long time until I was just like, 
this this is bullshit there's there's most of it is just made up or conspiracy theory bullshit that's Mm. not, not based on a lot of truths or their their plus we all know it was lee harvey oswald and then one of the dr- hungover guys in the car behind him come on everybody <laughs> no <laughs> and aliens aliens stop it <laughs> um aliens. you know what actually ultimately changed like made me decide that the movie was different from the play was i was kind of looking up reviews and things that people were saying about the movie after it had come out and somebody I didn't even read the article but in the article it was entitled about the movie impotent rage has always demanded an outlet right which is again I feel like the play is more about him being a controversial character and then the movie is trying to say something about how we're handling ourselves and handling you know I think that the hate big... crime, like hate crimes, and just all. I felt like the movie was more about that than it necessarily was about him. Well, they do something. I think that the thesis of both both of them are similar, which is and expressed in the, that final monologue. Your fear, your own lives, have become your entertainment, mm-hmm. and how prescient it was because four years later, real world hits, and then you yeah. have the wave of quote-unquote reality tv and it's just voyeurism it's i want to see somebody whose life is more fucked up and weird than mine mm-hmm. and and i think that my strange addiction oh right. my god you know just like all of it intervention and, uh, intervention you know um What's the well, one? and that's what everything is now. It's you know, Serial, the original podcast, right? It wasn't the actual first ever podcast, but the one that made podcasting popular. The reason mm-hmm. we have a podcast probably is Serial. There's people have a lot of problems with that thing because it's is it voyeuristic? Are we looking in on something that maybe we shouldn't be, you know, in that way? Is she handling it in the wrong way? Is she falling too deep into it? Is she getting too close to this person? You know, things like that come up for people. Um, and it's, is it voyeuristic? I don't know. Are what is what we're doing voyeuristic? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm listening to us talk about our fucking <laughs> opinions on the theater. It, it, it's, it's true. And I think that, uh, you know, it's also about the cult of personality. Yeah. It's about the energy that he absorbs. And and CJ mentioned it earlier, but that 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 scene where you see him, we should say that in the play, it's all one night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In the in the movie, it's broken up so that you have a night and then you have a weekend and then the show comes back on Monday and it's supposed to be, you know, uh, you know national it's going national and that's but the, whole the syndication gets pulled right right before so that's another thing that feeds into that ending well yeah in uh, uh, yeah in the movie yeah in the movie they pull it um well it's it's hanging in the air and it's not till after he has his meltdown and and they're all like man that was good radio and then the implica- the implication is is that he got it he finally got I the see. national okay. show at okay. the end um, okay. Yeah, they kind of dangle it in front of him. Uh, I will say the filming of that final monologue digression, but <laughs> is fantastic. That putting it on the turntable and oh yeah, that's cool. And 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 watching the faces as as it circles around and all that, and that monologue is just uh, vicious. But it's it is. 
And I, you know, the biggest thing about this whole thing and this kind of bo all boils down in the monologue is I don't really agree with him all the time. I don't disagree with him a lot of the time. Right. Uh, right. Kind of Agreed. always living on that weird centralist line where he, which in 2021, I hate. Mm -hmm. But I, mm. but I, I was able to watch it for the time and read it for the time in a way. But, and I think this might go to what you were saying, CJ, about his, who he is in the play versus who he is in the movie a little bit. Um, or at least what it's trying to say about him mm -hmm. in the movie. I think I agree. It is giving him a little bit more of like, all these people are so stupid. Like it feels more that way. And I think part of that is brought on by the voice acting. Some of the voice acting is a little silly. Yes. Yes. yes it's a yes. little over the top. It's all, yeah. And it I, makes you hate those people so much that you start being like, oh, they're kind of like the Trumper people. He yeah. gets way more anti-Semitism thrown at him in this as well. Way more like anti-Semitic calls they and white actively make more people against him and make you feel for him more. Yeah. But in, there's people on... Social media, TikTok, YouTube, whatever it may be, or just on TV, fucking Tucker Carlson is basically no, he's Fuck not. He's so much worse. Guy. Never mind. I don't know why I even said that name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm to think people like kind of centralist like crap holes. Well, who... I'll tell, I'll give you a good. Uh, Bill Maher is a good one. Bill Maher is a great one because I gave him up over a year ago. Uh, I, and, and I get it. Where like. 60% of the stuff he says I agree with, 40% I don't, and he's a provocateur. By the way, he right. just got diagnosed with COVID today. So they oh, have shit. Shut down no fucking show. way. Yeah. Damn. Shut down Thanks. the show. Okay, Bill Maher. Um. <laughs> um, but he's one of those people, too. It's exactly that, is that, like, and then he also allows things to be said that I really am not cool with. You know, Agreed, like, he man. allows a lot of things. And this guy kind of does that, too. But a lot of that is sort of this straight white male energy of like even when you're woke there is that energy now and i know people like this and i see them on social media who are like i am so smart that i'm beyond both parties i'm so smart that i'm beyond the left and the right i'm perfect center and i understand it all and therefore i am a god and i'm like First of all, no, because <laughs> you're just part of the problem. You know what I mean? And in other countries, you're not centralist. You're very right. You right. know? Yes. So, so those kind of people now really piss me off and I yeah. think are actually almost worse sometimes than some of the people on the far right who just don't know better. Right. But right. no offense. If, by the way, if you haven't ever listened to our podcast before. Um, We're left of center. <laughs> We're a little bit of liberal. -ish. We're pretty deep left. We're, uh, I am um, so deep in the left. Yeah. Um, yeah. If woke is past tense, then we are. Um, I'm so left. I've almost come around to. Yeah. No, I haven't almost yeah. come around to right. <laughs> I just think. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I'm trying to say. No, uh, but no. at the time, I think he was probably more left than most of America. Yes. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um there's a dovetailing off of that. There was a great quote. This is from the New York Times uh, review of the Liv Schreiber production. Mm, cool. And uh, it goes, the pathology of fame of what happens to someone who sees himself reflected and distorted in the eyes of, or in this case, ears of multitudes. Um, Madonna, uh, then it's... Uh, 
parenthetical Madonna was at the performance I attended and it was hard to avoid wondering what she made of it all. Being God <laughs> after all is a big burden. Um, and I think that <laughs> I think that the, the phrase toxic masculinity wasn't being uttered in 1987, right. but this is very much about that and, and at the heart of that. Yes. And I think what's interesting, and I think it's because Bogosian wrote and created the character for himself is that there's a degree of self-loathing. There's a ton of criticism, yeah. but there's also a, 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 a love for the character and appreciation for the character. He's smart. He is dynamic. He is interesting to listen to. And so I think it becomes this meditation in a lot of ways about ego and um, the ego that any kind of fame or or that kind of attention or that kind of power uh, provokes in people and what the responsibility is. And so when he gets to that meltdown at the end, I think that, that it's the that revelation of, you know, I you know, I, I I am all you have. And isn't that fucked up? He's kind of going like you're you, I'm not your guy. You think I'm your guy. And then he kind of pulls himself. He gets lost in that spiral at the end. Yeah, I agree. It's um, it's it's Dr. Frankenstein looking at his own monster, I think, especially with the Kent stuff. When yeah. Kent gets there and he's. You know, in the film, they do a great job. And I saw a production of it where it was really fantastic because it's easy. It would be easy to play that as just. Uh, Did you guys loopy... like the Kent in the movie? Yeah, that's Michael Wincott. Like he's yeah, he's great. I mean, I think he was a little too old, but I think that's what that character is. It's just a rocker asshole who's not really aware of stuff, that, but he loves it when Barry busts gets he that just seems so. I, it seems so put on to me. Like it just you know was what? a little over the top. Yeah, I'll say yeah. this. I'll say this. When he was on the phone, I agree with you. When he showed up, which he looked silly. Yes. But when it, it, that was some of the darker parts of that movie was when he'd get kind of real with the guy and the guy'd be kind of like, Ugh, what? And like it would kind of zoom in on him, and you'd just be like, "Oh fuck! Is something real about to? Ha is something bad about to happen?" Like it yeah. very much felt that way, and I started being like, "Oh no! I kind of know people who are on this energy level." Yeah. Okay. And I started believing it more throughout the movie. It was when he was on the phone; he was one of the voice actors that I kept being like, "What? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're doing a really shitty like." <laughs> point break you know like it, just shitty crap well um, and then he deliver. i think he deliver. he has a line delivery that i think is it, it's your show bear yeah and it just it shuts him down it shuts the whole scene down yeah. in this remarkable way it's a good and moment. it's it's a really just great delivery of a line and nailing a moment for an actor uh, what were you saying about the Kent on Broadway, Scott? I oh, yeah. interrupted. Oh, that. not on Broadway, just in a, in a another production that I, oh, okay. I saw. Um, I, the guy that who, who did it when I did it was uh, Randall. Oh, I can't remember his last name, but it was this lovely dude, and he he put on that wig, he put on the the wig, and put on the headband, and came in, and he just became that dude every night. Like it was a real <laughs> nice. You know, How can you really, not with that? Like, it was really cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, um, you know. Guys, I think this is a good time to uh, take a break. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hee-wee! Jericho's Pizza off Route 111 <laughs> at the Jericho Turnpike. They got that pizza you'll never forget. One bite and you don't have to eat for a week. I saw a guy in there the other day combing his hair with the stuff off the plate. 
Jericho's Pizza. Nice. All right, we're back. It's disgusting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so uh, what else do we want to talk about? Let's do some performance oh, reports, definitely, at some I point. I had one okay. little thing I wanted to bring up that I I really th thought structurally when I saw it in the movie rewatching this week was the there's a sequence where you hear it's it starts off with the the woman who's crazy, who's afraid of her garbage disposal. Yeah. Yes. And then you have the guy who... who um, uh, calls in who sent the package and I know that you have the package and yeah. then then we go to the other woman who's afraid of everything so each of those builds on each other so yeah. as the woman is talking about all of her fears that's when he's got the package in front of him yeah. and he's slowly starting to open it and mm. it's just this great great construction Brilliant. of a yeah. scene and 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 of a dramatic rise of, of tension the thing you keep thinking yep. through all of that too is like the way he handles it the way he handles the package which could be, be a bomb it could be a, 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 a toxin it could be anything and right. he's just like opening it kind of dripping sweat but the way he handles everything and the amount of things that get really dark within the same amount of time of each other you start realizing oh this is the show every night yeah <sighs> He's doing this dark shit, talking to these people, talking people off of ledges every night. Mm, yeah, mm -hmm. he probably loses them often when that guy who you know, well, oh, okay, who he doesn't lose, right? The it ends up being Wincott Kent. Yeah, um, saying my girlfriend, man, like I don't know what to do, like all that shit. When you think it's real as shit, at the and at he knows first, it's not, and he knows it's not, and you're just like, and you start realizing like, oh, he. He does this every night. Well, yeah. and that brings me to, which just reminded me a beat that they added in the movie is the phone call with the rapist. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that, super heavy. And again, That's not knowing heavy. the movie and it not being in the play, yeah. I was like, oh God damn. Like, it's it like, just, I'm going to do it. I have to do it. And you're just, <sighs> That's very Oliver Stone. Um, very, very Oliver Stone. Getting chills just thinking about it was awful. Um, one of the things I also think is in the commentary here, and then we can move on, that I think is exceptionally prescient is this idea um, that, and, and on stage every time I've seen it done done well, it's he's encased, he's in a studio. They said the Liv Schreiber version, he's, he's surrounded by glass. Um, you see it in Oliver Stone, especially in that final monologue as it's circling around. He's encased in this idea of disconnect, that that these are disconnected voices. And where we're at with devices now and specifically the you know the keyboard muscles that people have, you know, people get on Facebook and they'll say they're what's what and they got, you know, but they don't, you know, so this yeah. continuing disconnect that happens via technology yeah. uh, is a fascinating theme and you, things haven't gotten any better. Like, like he, that's the thing is that they're both stone and Bogosian are calling this in 1988 going, yeah. guys, you don't, you, you see what's coming and, and, and nobody did like, yeah. like, like we didn't, we didn't do good in terms of, of We're finding out that. playwrights are the Cassandras of our history. Well, like, they should be. You know, the few, like it's I crazy. Keep, I keep They're thinking soothsayers. of 
I keep thinking about the Ionesco quote about, you know, uh, theater isn't literature. It is simply what cannot be expressed any other way. Yeah. And and in that become comes philosophy and truth and and prescience. Well, and wasn't that is it was it Beckett or was it someone like Miller? One of those old white dudes who was like, I, I chose to write because that was how I knew I could tell stories like that yeah, was the, yeah yeah like yeah, that was ba- all that I was like I I tried this type of art and I told stories that way I tried this type of art and then I was like the only way to tell this story I want to tell is through theater so that's what I'm going to do now yeah that was I think yeah. that was Beckett like yeah because he'd written had such a long career before he right. wrote a play he's like I can't put it down any other way and how else would you put down how would you write a narrative of good of Godot? Right. You know, how do you how would you put that put that into into a novel? Uh, I I, w- I wouldn't want to read it, but I'll watch it. You Before know. we do a performance report, um I think we should get into and if one of y'all or Scott you should probably tackle this uh being the one who knows this better than either of us um the big difference between the play and the movie we should we should address the ending the very ending yes yeah. and that's directly inspired by the Allen Berg thing right um the who was from Denver actually like he wasn't from Dallas I originally thought that that's why Stone wanted to put it in Texas set it in Texas as opposed mm-hmm. to Cleveland uh he was a Denver area DJ yeah um but yeah it ends it, it ends with with him getting shot I don't know if it entirely works. I kind of like the uncertainty and the ambiguity of the ending of the play. You know, he sort of stands there, you know, he hits the mic and watches it, you know, spin around on, on its, on its, uh, uh, handle there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, walks off, you know, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow night. Um, I guess, you know, whatever stone felt like they needed to do it. And, but the play is giving what I just said, which is the, is the idea of like, and then he comes back tomorrow and does the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas the movie is a little bit more finite and like, and this was the night where it went too far. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, um, you know what else they cut from the movie, uh, is in the play or cut from the play, excuse me, in the movie, uh, now I'm lost in the play at the end he has the confrontation with Stu where he tells Stu to fuck off and Stu's like you know fuck you Barry and and then walks off he loses his man right yeah and so you're you're hopeful at the end of the play that maybe there can be a change maybe like there's or maybe he's stuck in purgatory yeah, but at least there's been at least he's aware that he's in purgatory at the end of the play. Mm. There's some reckoning, and there's a I little. I think bit we're of, all in purgatory we right are, now. Yeah. yeah, nothing means anything, you guys. If you believe uh, in that shit. <laughs> wow, we've been reading way too much absurdist and existentialism. Yeah. But yeah, um, but the the movie you know puts a fine point on you know uh, an exclamation point on it. I'm gonna Why? put an exclamation point on you, Scott. Well, all right. Well, do you guys want me to leave or with my, my butt <laughs> or your mouth? Either or, way, no. Isn't your well? They're the same. So they're the same. Yeah. Well, your butt is your right. Your butt is your face. Your anus. The anus is the mouth of the butt. Right. The nipples are the eyes of the face. Yeah. Yes. The nipples are the eyes of the chest. 
No. Of the boobies. <laughs> the boobies the, are the, e- the ears face are the, of the head. The ears, the ears are the vaginas of the... The brain. Jesus. Brain. <laughs> um, let's do a performance report, because the brain is baloney at this point. Um, <laughs> let's see. So why don't we start with the man himself, uh, Eric Bogosian. If, if we're giving him like a 1 to 10... Where is he at on this in this movie? Uh, I think he. I'm going to give him an eight. I think he's fantastic yeah. in the movie. I, I really do. I, I he he's not a classic Hollywood guy, which is why Stone felt strongly about using him. Yeah, he's you've got his own look, but I know that guy. We all kind of know that guy. Yeah, that sort of loud mouth, but smart. Maybe too smart for his own good unaware dude and and especially he's got that lovely moment where where he makes the woman laugh he's like do you have a belly button do you have a belly button and you got two belly buttons no no and makes her laugh and it's this wonderful human moment and he turns away from everyone else and he's just looking out the window so you only see him smiling to himself a little bit like yeah yeah i've done something good i've you know i've I've affected another human being i think it's i think it's a lovely nuanced performance and I wish he would do more. I mean, he still continues to write and perform and, and all that. Um, but yeah, I dug it. Siege, dug number? Um, I give him an eight uh, yeah. because he is a dreamboat. And also, <laughs> I so like good. him in the more conversational, slapdash, back and forth type stuff. Yeah. But I mean, I'm being a technique snob. It's just, it's when he gets more higher elevated emotionally, I just didn't like his work as much or maybe i'm supposed to feel that way maybe but i also think he is giving his his same stage performance that we would probably see on stage and be really into and maybe isn't translating as much there could be yeah because especially when you're playing high stakes like that i think sometimes on film when you really allow yourself to get there a lot of people start saying Oh well, that performance isn't as good. And my argument is like, See, no, it it's seems just a little more put stage. on to me too. Well, that's what I mean. Is like it, it's sort of the argument against. Um, it's the same exact argument we had about Anne Hathaway, where <laughs> in Les Mis, where I'm like, no, I like that she's she on Broadway. To turn it down a notch. <laughs> oh right, but that's that's the <laughs> argument. Is like, to me, I give him an eight as well. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's because he is he's doing a stage performance at times. Okay. There are times where I'm going. Yeah. And like, I imagine like, my cheeks okay. Pu- okay. pucker a bit. And I, I'm like, mm, you're doing a little bit of. I dig. I dig. I think, yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's interesting because he literally had to stop the run off Broadway to go shoot the movie. Yeah. Wow, cool. So you got to think so he that, had it in his bones. Though. Yeah, yeah. Like and eighty-seven, eight. I mean, there's less than a year that you know, probably only a few months before he's on set. And like, how much recalibration can you do? Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting in reading the review of Liv Schreiber's performance. I think he was nominated for a Tony for for his performance in it. And mm-hmm. He won the Drama Desk Circle Award. I'd be but interested the, to see that performance. Yeah, me too. the The reviewer varies like who commented on several other of, of his stage performances noted the distinction that he thought that he Liv Schreiber was a significantly better stage actor with a sort of, he said there's a, a spark that, that he has on stage that doesn't translate to his film and television work. Oh, and that's I've always, awesome. I've, I've always found him. I, I think he's really, really smart and a, 
a great technician, but I'm like, yeah, I've always felt a little bit, there's something a little bit missing for me uh, huh. in, in sure. some of, in some of his work. I've seen him do some fantastic films and TV stuff, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 8.0. I'd love to see that. I think that'd be interesting. Uh, let's move on to Ellen Green. We kind of talked she, about her already, but if we're giving her a scale of one to ten. Oh, I'll give her an eight point five. I think that she she comes in with an of course, surprise, slightly underwritten female role. Um but yeah. I love the scene in the car and mm-hmm. how quickly the relationship and the history of the relationship like at that point they're divorced, they've been divorced for several years, but yeah. she clearly still loves him and adores him. And they they have that banter back and forth where she's he's making fun of her new husband and all that stuff. And she's just like you said earlier, Bailey, he she just always glows. There's just something magical about her. She's kind of alien. She's from Atlantis or something. I don't know. She's she's incredible, but she she's from uh, Atlantis or something. She's an Atlantean, (laughs) but her eyes are incredible. The way that she uses them, the way that she's able to be so innocent seeming but then also be able to seem like a total badass who could stand up to him completely and probably like could take him on verbally maybe even you know if she was if she really wanted to yeah Uh, she really plays it but she's just so dialed in i agree i think i'm giving her like a nine she's she's just like so dialed in siege i'm i'm gonna give her like a seven oh because and I think hearing like the the underwrittenness, I very, think very under- for me, I couldn't get past the whole wafy, bobbed haircut, tiny waisted, high voiced 80s woman type of thing, okay. which I feel like that has something to do with obviously the script and how women were written back then. Um, I don't. I Yeah. All right. Yeah. Word. But I yeah. think that's I think that's more the script than it is her. I thought yeah. she was fine. I just I also spent the whole movie just feeling like bad and confused and kind of mad at her. So <laughs> mad at her uh, for the character at all. Definitely. Yeah, like get out of there, girl. Get out of there. He's doing <laughs> the same shit that he did to you before in your marriage. Before, you think yeah. it's gonna be different? I would argue the fact that you empathize with her that hard is why she's so good in this movie because she's <laughs> I know has, I know it's written wrong that's the problem yeah, is that it's yeah. like she shouldn't be wafy she shouldn't be like whatever but the way she's playing it gives you the idea that there's something else there that well, she is she has some trauma she has something where that's why she's unable to really like right be fully well, and as I was saying that too, like wafy bob haircut, I'm like, CJ, shut the fuck up. Women can be skinny with short hair and still be actresses. Yeah, but, I mean, but she's also, she is that. She probably like created that stereotype in some Okay. Way. Like that's yeah. sort of who she is. And like she, I mean, she's Audrey. She's, she's, Audrey. she's Mr. Mushnick. You know, she like, reminded she, me of like yeah. Jennifer Tilly in a weird way. Like I will hear that voice again and be like, oh, that's Ellen Green. I feel like Jennifer Tilly almost is like the modern day, like, well, modern day. I shouldn't say that. They're both probably only like 10 years apart in age, 20 years apart. (laughs) But um, I just mean like, yeah, I agree. They're of a kind where it's like that sort of New York, like character actress who is just able to use their voice in so many ways. I think Mm -hmm. Ellen Green's done a lot of voiceover. She's. She's still playing Audrey. She's had an insane career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People still hire her to play Audrey now and then. She loves it. She's the shit. 
Um, okay. Uh, John C. McGinley, Stu. Oh, by the way, we should say this because of all the people who were screaming at us. Uh, he also did Oliver Stone movies, Nixon, mm-hmm. and uh, what JFK. was the other one? He, w- he wasn't in JFK. Uh, or was he? He's in JFK. No! <laughs> He's he was pl- never in JFK! You're lying to yourself. He's in Platoon. I know he's in Platoon. He's in Platoon. He's he's done five of his movies. Okay, can you guess what the fifth one is? Wall Street? No. Well, he is in Wall Street, yes, but that's not the fifth one. We already named that one. It's okay. a 1999 film. 1999. It's not uh, Natural Born Killers. That's earlier. No. He's not in that. What was fucking Stone doing in 99? It's not Nixon, is it? Is no, that... he did do Nixon, though. He's in I Nixon. I know Stones work well enough. Gosh, I can't think of it. I don't want to look it up. It and... stars uh, one Dennis Quaid, Cameron Diaz, Jamie Foxx, and Al Pacino. What? what? <laughs> James Woods. James Woods is in this movie. <laughs> what is it? It's actually a great movie. Uh, and it's ever related to a sport. Oh, the fucking uh, uh, Friday night, not Friday night lights. No. So it's every <laughs> any, any given Sunday. Yes. Any given Good job. Sunday. Any oh given my Sunday. God. I'm like, what the fuck? That, that, that cast is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was that was starting to be the end, like the end where like it's you almost have an epileptic epileptic fit. Watching right. it because it's like cut, cut, one one thousand, two one thousand, cut, cut, yeah. cut, cut. cut. Exactly. Hip hop. I like hip hop. Like he's he's clearly coked out directing that movie. Like just fucking railing <laughs> exactly lines in his trailer. We love it. Um, so what are we what are we ranking uh, McGinley in this? McGinley movie? is like he's like he's like terra firma. He's just one of those great yeah. character actors you can drop anywhere. I loved him on Scrubs. I thought he was the greatest yeah. curmudgeon mm. on Scrubs. He's and all great. That. Yeah, he's a fucking nine for me, man. Put give me that all day long. Siege. I'm gonna give him a nine. He was cute as hell, and I gotta say, like. I don't think you ever met Ed Bailey, but he reminds me like Ed at 30 years old or something, even <laughs> though I never knew Ed at yeah. 30 years old. Hey, man. Ed yeah. Goodman? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I know Ed Goodman. Oh, you yeah. do know Ed. I Come couldn't on. remember if your paths had crossed because he just left. Friend We're of the pod. Friends. Hey, Ed. We are. You and John John C. McGinley. That's right. Um, but he was great. What a great, what a fun character. Yeah. I know so many guys like that too. I give him a 9.77. Well, so he's that I, good. In this when movie. I did it uh, back in the day, this is strictly for Siege, uh, a little bit for Bailey. Um, <laughs> Doug Laffin played Stu. My, oh. buddy, my old buddy Doug Laffin. Uh, and we, we saw. Blue Jay kill a cat together. Oh, oh my god, Bailey! It's a, it's a crazy. Bailey, story. we're telling Scott's telling you that story this weekend. Yeah. Okay. When we have All right. Weekend. That sounds great. Um. So, uh, we love John McGinley. We stand. He's a legend. He's great. Okay. Alec Baldwin. I've seen. I've been rewatching Thirty Rock, and he is magnificent on Thirty Rock. Like, yeah. he's a grandmaster at the top of his form. There. You know what my uh, problem I'm, with Thirty Rock is, though, Scott. What I've watched the first three seasons probably seven hundred times. Every time I get through, like the th- I start watching the fourth season, is when I start going. Yeah. Okay. I, I 
maybe I don't. Okay, and then I stop watching it. Yeah, it I definitely started over years later. <laughs> it, it, it's it I it it's still all those later seasons make me laugh, but yeah, they they definitely They're funny. I just and they, and can't they, watch them like I can watch the first 3 seasons. Those first 3 seasons They're are so dead, watchable, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, it's when the, the what's her name gets gets abducted by the Koreans and like he's Jesus. raising the baby for anyway. Yeah, there's a lot of shit in there that does not 2021 hold up. That's right. Uh, right. <laughs> um but um but yeah, uh, Alec Baldwin's he's Alec Baldwin. Like, you know, he's 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 a he's a 7.5 and the, he doesn't got a lot to do in this. But right. Sure. Agreed. Siege. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm same seven, seven point five. Um, I just remember thinking like this man was just born to play bosses and CEO assholes. And yeah. Horrible presidents. And he came out of the womb like this, didn't he? Yeah. He's perfect for it. Um, we we both love and hate Alec Baldwin, right? Like I love to hate Alec Baldwin. Yes. Uh, he's, he's a weird one as a person. And yeah. I don't oh, know yeah. that I really love a lot of his performances. I've talked about this movie before, but he's in one of his best performance, comedic performances, in my opinion, is in the movie Along Came Polly. Oh, I love a lot of Kimbali. It's a uh, Ben Stiller, Jennifer Aniston, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I have seen Hoffman that. Movie. Yeah, uh, I think I saw it in theaters, but never again after that. It's super funny and so rewatchable, and the Jesus Christ Superstar references are next level hilarious because <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman is putting it on and he's playing Ju- uh, Judas, but he keeps singing for Jesus because he loves the song so much. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's brilliant. But um, who were we talking about? Oh, Alec, Alec Baldwin Ballinger. plays Ben Stiller's boss at the insurance company, and he keeps like, he he'll like pee next to him and then like grab his ear and rub it and be like good things i'll see you later and like leave but he's so funny in that movie it's really good all right we we like him sometimes i give him a seven maybe like a 6.8 i don't know he's fine he does the thing he's he's, yeah he's you know he's an asshole and um but he's he's good he is good i only have three more performances i want to get through and they're very quick we should just rifle them off first is leslie hope do we like her? Yes or no? Thumbs up or down? She's uh, written horribly in this it's film. It's down for yeah. her writing. I mean. Yeah. Her yeah. writing the, shit. Yeah. Yeah. She's like uh, a little teenage girl who doesn't, who, who wishes. I don't know. I don't know much of, to her. Of, of anything else she's re- ever did. Right. But she's fine um, in it. Nothing she's Nothing except she's directed most of the uh, Netflix Lost in Space. Oh, right on. Oh, that's that's kind of cool. And <laughs> she's directed some other that's things. That's a fun little show. It's a good little family. Ghost Wars on sci-fi. She directs. Yeah, Word. she's around. Good. good. Good for her. Um, And then you have uh, uh, John Pankow playing Dietz, the yeah. actual guy who is taking him to syndication, who really only has like one line. In the yeah, I don't yeah. remember him at all. Yeah, he, he's uh, just that presence that's always there. Kind of, he's like the he's guy the who's watching, taking he's the corporate them to guy state. who's watching, yeah. oh, okay, okay, taking them. But he can always see him through the the window. He's had a great career. I saw him oh, uh, in Patrick Stewart's The Tempest in the Park years ago, Ooh. and then he was on Mad About oh, You. Wow. And he's yeah, he's got kind of a you know he's he's just worked. He's just one right. Of he was dudes. Ira on Mad About You. Yeah, he's around. Yeah. So um, yeah, I used to know. walk. Um, 
the best friend from Mad About You. Her name's uh, okay in the show. Her name is F- Fran, but her oh, real yeah. name is uh, Leela. Yes. Yeah. She is. I used to walk her dogs. Oh, good. That was one of my first jobs in L.A. <laughs> Good. One of my first job interviews when I moved out here was with Fred Durst. Wow. Freddy. Wow. <laughs> FD. I did not get that job. I did not get that job. I just need you to be my nookie. What? My You're nookie. what? Huh? You're what? My nookie. So you can take that cookie. Wait. <laughs> Are you just sticking uh, up my what? Stick it up my huh? <laughs> um Ladies. Your mouth or your butt? Ladies. Um, and then the last one, we just have to talk about it, is we've talked about him a couple times, but let's give him a number rating. Michael Wincott as Kent and Michael and Joe. He's playing those different parts. He plays different. He plays other people as yeah, well. Yeah, he, he does other voices. Which is also why he's disguising his voice a little bit uh, as Kent. But let's talk about Kent. Uh, no, I think he's I think he's fantastic. I I, I think he comes in and, and nails it. Like I said, he's got that that line delivery. It's your show, Barry. <laughs> like it's so yeah. perfect. Um, yeah, he's great. He's got a fucking weird weird career. Like he's been all over the place, all over the place. Anyway, what's yeah. your number? Uh, I'll give him a, I'll give him a seven five. Seven five. Seven five. A seventy five. Seven point five. Seven five. <laughs> Um, I'll give him a seven because I didn't realize he did other voices, but I'm going to give him a five for Kent. I just, I, I didn't like, I, I didn't like how he did that character. Well, yeah, yeah. It began as like a two for me. And by the end, it's like a nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I disagree with that. It, it it really did begin with, as like a two for me. Like I was right. like, who is this fucking voice actor that they found? And then I find out, oh no, he's the Kent from, from the show. Um, from the Broadway show, but he is. Well, it might have been the same thing too that he was taking his theater shit and it was trans. Yeah. It wasn't translating onto film well because I just watched the whole time. I was like, this is so overblown and right. silly. Because it's also not for how quote unquote naturalistic it is. It's not actually very n- realistic. Like no, a lot of this, it's... right? It's got a little bit of that Fruitvale Station yeah. uh, problem yeah. where, which I love that movie, yeah. Fruitvale Station. But the problem with the movie is that it's like this perfect day where all these things happened and he finally got to see his kid again and he might get this back and he might, this might happen. He got, he lost his job, but then he realized like everything's fine. And then he gets killed by a cop and you're like, it's a little bit of a weird equation, like for the day to have been so perfect and then led up to that, because the real story of who it's based on, that's not what happened that day. You know, right. it's not yeah. it's yeah. not really based on that. So it's is that glorifying uh, in some way. But this this kind of has that problem. Um, but I I think the Kent characters is, is interesting and on stage could be really absurd in a good way yeah you know he's i don't know Osric. i think he's good he my final score for him is like a seven yeah he, do, he does yeah. a good job yeah. uh maybe maybe a 7.5 so yeah is there anything else we want to talk about about this this thing no thanks man. for I mean, picking was, this scott it was fun to yeah, do both was of these back to back it was good it was, to be introduced it, to it i watched it, was, it twice yeah it word i'm glad you guys liked it it was um like I said, it was, I, I, as you both know, and as I've said on this pod many times, I'm not a huge nostalgia fan. I like to 
keep going forward, keep going forward. But when I was asked that question the other day and then a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, does that fucking thing hold up? And I think it does. I think it's, um, you know, I I think it even holds up better as a play. I think it might age better as a play. It does. Um, Yeah, I want to see it. uh, The movie feels a little bit like for some listeners to this podcast might watch it and go like, this just feels like this like weird straight white dude yelling at me. Right. Which is a bit of what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it's the play, I think, has has more of a place because yeah. it, it can you can question it more. Whereas I think mov- people take movies a little more literally. Yeah. In a bad yeah. way. Yeah. Whereas when it's theater, we know we're walking into something that's trying to say something about something with movies. We're sort of like, this is entertainment. I'm just trying to just trying to uh, get my mind off my day job. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sound like one another of his one callers. of these characters. Yeah. <laughs> what my voice from earlier? This guy, <laughs> <laughs> the voice is great. Um, the faces are even better. Whoa! <laughs> uh, okay, Siege, you got anything else you want to say about Tachredia? No, I'm just glad. I'm glad we did it. I'm stoked for us to do Bogosian sometime. Bogos. The the goes. We I should just cover like suburbia as an in stuff. Okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah, I think it would be funny if we only did his shit via and, and stuff. stuff. <laughs> well, he does have. There is a filmed version of one of his one man shows of this podcast. Of this podcast. <laughs> of and stuff. <laughs> okay. No, that's down. I'm down for it. Uh, irregardlessly. Irregardlessly. Yeah. Uh, I it also was a good dive, and he's a talented, talented, smart dude, and I think that. You know, we talked earlier about toxic masculinity and all this, and I think he's talking about that in before the words and the clarity of that were uh, in place. And so he's, I think he's a fascinating dude. Apparently, just a lovely human being. So. Good. Oh, wow. I love hearing that. Yeah. I love hearing that. I, a uh, couple episodes, called him Peter Bogosian. Right, and I kept wondering why did I say right. that. Well, no, you guys corrected me right away. You're like Eric Bogosian. I was like, oh right, Eric Bogosian. And then I kept going in my mind for like days. I kept going, who is Peter Bogosian? Because there is a Peter Bogosian. And then I realized days later, oh, I have this thing called the internet where I can find that answer. <laughs> so I looked it up, and I was like, oh right, don't know who this is at all. So I don't know how this would ever have popped in my mind. He's just like an atheist philosopher. He's on. He he does a lot of like TV and like he's a talking head a lot. So they, got it. And oh okay. Floated, well, apparently I I know him because I was very confident that his name was Peter Bogosian, but they're not <laughs> even spelled the same. The Bogosians are no. Totally... I think Peter Bogosian's got an H in there somewhere. Yeah, H O S S I A R W. Yeah, N C fourteen. Um. So we'll be. Uh. Uh. Is there anything else? Is there anything else? Are no, we good? Man. Do we want to? No, this was fun. It was fun. Nice, nice. This was fun. Life. I appreciated this. Uh, well, cool. Thank you for joining us for theater, theater, and stuff. Join us again next week as we begin our mini series on Terrence McNally Pod Together Cast Apart. <laughs> we'll be covering his evolution through three of his works: Lips Together, Teeth Apart, Corpus Christi, and. 
Drum roll. Actually, don't. Ragtime. Nice. <laughs> yes. Nice. Amazing. Yeah, uh, very excited to talk lot. about ragtime. That's cool. a lot. So read those if you have a time. Have the time. Find a production of Ragtime uh, online or watch the movie if you if you get a chance. And then our next N stuff is a CJ pick. What is it, CJ? It is the 1965 film uh, Blake Venom. Edwards <laughs> called The Great Race. Yeah. The Great Race, not to be confused with The Amazing Race. Right. No. Correct. No, that right. dude's a Trump supporter. We don't. We're not going to do. Is that, that right? Oh, what's his name? Uh, Mark, wow. Who produces? What a uh, bitch. Yeah. He who also produced The Apprentice and the that we had Trump. Yeah. Fucking balls. Okay, well, read those things and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and great race. And Okay, go ahead, CJ. Ugh. Do you all have questions or comments or suggestions? Have something to add? We would also love any suggestions for things that we should be covering or you would like to hear us talk about. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us. You can message us on the Gram, the Facebook, or the Twitter. Scott? Yes, a big shout out to Pamela Quinn for writing our In Stuff theme song uh, and all of the songs that she contributes to our show. She's a genius and amazing. Uh, big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our regular theme song, mm -hmm. yeah, which yeah. you are about to hear. Um, our theme song is better than your theme song. Suck it. Um, also, a big shout out to the great Annie Baker for writing our podcast. She doesn't know she writes it. But she does. And one day we're going to buy Annie Baker a beer. Can't That's we? right. We sure are because we can. <laughs> yeah. Because we can go into bars again. Because Yay. we're vaccinated. Yes. We're vaxxed. Which you should be too. Get out there and get vaxxed, yo. Get your vax like, on. Just freaking do it. Just get the implant put in your arm already. We're all getting microchipped. It's fine. Just breathe. <laughs> Follow us on all the things. We love you. Fucking... I got a USB test. You're already microchipped oh. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it, holds, it holds all my information all of it <laughs> kind of hot it's kind of cyberpunk hook <laughs> <laughs> my mic up to it you could you could but you'd have to get real close to use it you know what i mean could i charge my phone <laughs> you can't you can, but you're the one who's got to plug it in if you don't use it. Superstar. Uh, I love both of you so much. I love y'all. I fucking. I love y'all too. I'm not even gonna sing. I think that's the perfect ending. <laughs> Bye. See you Bye. next week, everybody. Peace out. The theater. The theater. Theater.